I want to talk about something. Uh, I'll just give you the title, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Jesus went to hell. And so I'm uh, grateful for the fact, and a lot of times, uh, as I study this, you know, sometimes I get isolated, and uh, to some people this is controversial, but I don't think when you have five, six witnesses in the scripture that it's controversial. But I want you to know something, Um, as we celebrate every year the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, most of Christianity understands what Jesus did in the natural on the cross. They understand the crown of thorns. They understand that he was beaten. They understand that he was bled. And then uh, most people in Christianity understand that Jesus was raised from the dead. How do you know? How many of you know, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, the basis for our new birth is the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Without the virgin birth, which we celebrate at Christmas, and without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no reason to get together. Without those two things, there is no reason to get together. We're just wasting our time. But aren't you glad we're not wasting our time? How many of you know that Jesus was born of a virgin? How many of you know that he went about and doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil? And the fact of the matter is that he did die on a cross. He shed his blood. He, he who knew no sin became sin. He took stripes on his back. He was beaten according to the word of God, according to Isaiah the prophet and what we know. He was beaten beyond human recognition. Uh, he, he, he became sin. He took every sickness, every disease. Pastor Robert, just look at, he became poor so that you could become rich. He did all that for you and I. He didn't just die. But he rose again, he put his blood on the mercy seat, and today, as we celebrate his resurrection, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that's been given a name. And so we know that Jesus died on a cross, and we know that um, on the third day, he was raised from the dead. But what I want to concentrate on is what happened in those three days. Because Christianity, of the time that we live in, you need to know what happened in those three days. Because I know as a born-again believer, you don't have to go to hell, and you're happy about that. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you get to go to heaven, and you're happy about that. But listen to me, you're not in heaven yet. And I'm just going to be blunt, the, the devil would love for you to live in hell on earth, But you don't have to anymore. I say you don't have to anymore. The devil has been defeated. Jesus has won the victory. He has the victor's crown. And he wants you and I to uh, walk in victory here on the earth. Amen. He wants you to have days of heaven on earth. Jesus prayed before he left. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you this. Is there any political mess in heaven? Is there any sickness there? Any disease there? They're poor. They're confused. They're fighting. The Pentecostals can't get along with the Lutherans. (laughs) Heaven is not that kind of place. Jesus, do you believe Jesus gets his prayers answered? What was his prayer? Lord, let them be one. As we are one. 
Let your will be done in heaven. Why is there no mess in heaven? Because God's in charge there. Come on. Is he in charge of you, though? Is he in charge of me? I can't control everybody else, but I can control what's going on in my life by believing in the Lord. So let's look at what Jesus did in those three days. But I want to remind you, now I put a compilation, uh, compilation together. So any, you know, theologians in the room, if I get it just a little bit wrong, you know, okay. Uh, but I put Matthew 27, 45 through 51, Mark 15, 29 through 39, uh, Luke 23, 44 through 47, and John 19, 28 through 30 together. And so I put those things together, and this is what happened. From the 6th to the ninth hour, about noon to 3 p.m., everything went dark. Everything went dark. It was noon. Even if, you know, depending on who you listen to, it was 6 in the morning till 9, but I believe it was noon till 3 p.m. The sun was out, and suddenly everything went dark. Everybody say, it went dark. And the, the priest, as it went dark, even when it began to go dark and natural things began to happen, the priest began to mock Jesus. And they began to shout, you said destroy the temple and in three days you'll lift it up. They began to say, save yourself. While you were here, you saved others, but you can't even save yourself. And it's interesting that they use the word save. You, 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 they mocked him. These men who were religious, who should have known the word, mocked him and said, you saved others, you can't even save yourself. And at the same time, as they're doing this, Jesus and himself knew everything was accomplished. And then he said, I'm thirsty. And then as he said that, he cried out, forgive me if I butcher, Eli, Eli, lam sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then they gave him a drink, and Jesus said, Father, into my hands I commit, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he took the, his last breath, and he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Everybody say, it is finished. Well, that's a mouthful. What was finished? Well, the old covenant was finished. My assignment is finished. My work is finished. And he was talking by faith as well he was talking about what was going on because he said it is finished and yet it really wasn't finished yet. He just said it is finished. How do I know it wasn't finished yet? So these are the things that happened. So as he's, everybody say it is finished. It is finished. He gave up the ghost. And at the same time what happened? The temple veil was rent, the Bible says, from top to bottom. I don't know if two angels grabbed a hold of it at the top and ripped it, but what does it mean? No longer are the people of God out, are, 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 you can't go in the temple anymore. You can't get into God. That was what we were supposed to see from that. The temple veil was rent. At the same time, a great earthquake happened. 
And the rocks, I don't know uh, if they began to break because of the great earthquake, but at the same time, rocks were breaking. So there was a lot of things to go on in the natural. It was dark. It was a supernatural, a darkness came for three hours. How many hours? How many, how, how long was it going to be dark? Three days. Three hours, three days. You destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to lift it up. They thought he was talking about a building, but he was talking about his own house. The earth began to quake. The rocks began to rent. And so, I mean, things were going on. And then this one centurion dude, he's like, that was a righteous man. That was the son of God. And so all this happened where it could be seen. And so many times, and I get it, and I'm grateful for it, we look at the scene part. Jesus died on the cross. Are you grateful he died on the cross? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Are you grateful he who knew no sin became your sin? He took your place. He took your sickness and disease. He became poverty. He, 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 he took your confusion and your sorrow and your mess, and he gave you his righteousness and his peace, and, and, and he gave us everything. And that happened on the cross and then you look forward, you know that on the third day he was raised from the dead. You know that he told Mary, don't touch me, not because she was a woman, but because he had to take his blood and put it on the mercy seat. He had to finish what he was starting. But there was something that happened in those three days. And so we're going to look at what happened in those three days. Because the Lord would like for you, this Resurrection Sunday, to live in victory every day because of what he did in those three days. Amen. There's a lot of mess going on in our world today. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of situations. But the Lord Jesus provided a way where you could live in victory, you could walk in victory, and you can have victory, and you can have heaven on earth every day. And it happened because of what we celebrate as Easter. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus prophesying or telling them what's about to happen to him. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, King James Version. It says, For as, Jonas was in the, as Jonah was in three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so he's liking it again, three days. So shall the Son of Man, and interesting to that he said, the Son of Man. So he's identifying with his human side. He said the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is prophesying and telling them that I'm going to have to go to the center of the earth where hell is, where Hades is, where Sheol is. I'm going to have to go there for three days. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, I'm going into the belly of the earth for three days. And then in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 31, well, let's just do this. Let's run into it. Acts chapter 2, I always try to, uh, uh, you know, shorten things down, but I think you need to look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Acts 2, 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in the sepulchres with us this day. Therefore, being a prophet, verse 30, and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him, it says, out of the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. 
He's seen this before spoke of the resurrection of Christ. So even David prophesied of Jesus being raised from the dead, that his soul, his soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption. It is very clear that Jesus, when he died, when he said, it is finished, his destination was hell. And whether you and I, that fits in with your thinking of, well, God couldn't go to hell. Jesus was all God. Jesus was all man. But he said, the son of man has to go into hell. That's part of my assignment. He said, it is finished when he was on the cross, but he, he knew as soon as he's given up the ghost. That's why he said, Father, into my hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And, that, and even that feeling right there, and that's why when he was in the garden, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. He was about to be separated from the Father. Why have you forsaken me? And then Isaiah text says that God, the Father, even turned his face. But Jesus knew what he was getting into as the word of God, as the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth. He was willing to do this. He was willing to do this. He took it as part of his assignment he wasn't going to do a partial work. He wasn't just going to make a way to heaven. He was going to make a way where you and I could live in victory. He was going to make a way, whatever the first Adam lost, the last Adam was going to get back forever. And this is how he had to do it. So... As I was getting this ready, uh, and this is, I've been preaching for 35 years, and I don't even know if I've ever done this in 35 years. The Holy Ghost said, tell them what hell is like. So, did you know that Jesus actually talked more about hell when he was on the earth than he did heaven? Why? Well, number one, well, let me just read it to you. He knew what it was. He knew where he was going. It's not fit. It's not a place that any human being was ever destined to go. And he wanted, and he came, so not only that we can make heaven, but avoid hell and all that hell is. Um, so I did it again, which is two times for me, and I usually don't do this, but I took Matthew chapter 13, verse 50. Matthew 25, verse 4. Matthew 25, verse 46. You don't have to put any of these up. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Revelations 20, 10. Revelations 20, 13, and 14. And Revelations 21 and 8. If I don't go over all these scriptures, we're going to be here until next Easter. So I just put them together, took parts of that were a little different to show you the reality of what hell is. Jesus went there. Listen to me. Jesus went there so humanity never has to go there. Listen to what he said. Listen to what the word of God says. Where did Jesus go when he said it is finished? Where did he go when he said, I've got to be three nights 
three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, just like Jonah was in the well. What does the word mean when it says his soul was not left in the place called hell? What does that mean? What is hell? Where did Jesus go? Well, the Bible says he went to the center of the earth where there is eternal fire prepared originally for the devil and his fallen angels. It is a fiery lake, a lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The fire never goes out. It's eternal punishment. Um, it, they are, it's punishment that uh, and torment day and night forever. There's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth. It is the second and eternal death. It's a real place. But are you grateful you ain't going? What's the only way you're not going? Is if you're born again. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man gets to the Father but through him. Everyone doesn't go to heaven. Only those that receive Jesus. And you and I have to be very firm about that, not only for ourselves. Let us not be selfish. Let us step out and begin again as the, the body of Christ to let others know that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life, and he is the only way to heaven. And people must not reject him, but receive him. And when you receive him, thank God, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you will spend eternity with him in heaven. There is a heaven, my spiritual father used to say this, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Pastor Rhonda, we were having lunch. Um, uh, we, were talking, we, we were talking about some things, and uh, Brother Hagen, uh, our spiritual father, uh, when he died when he was a teenager, he went to hell. And if you've never heard that account, you ought to get it. Okay, so, Pastor Mark, should we scare people into heaven if that's what it takes? <laughs> Usually those uh, do last longer, those that come to know the Lord because of his goodness and his love. But hell is real, and we need to quit acting like it's not. As real as heaven is, hell is just as real. As real as heaven is, are you glad you're going? I know you're not most of you, uh, you know, everybody's saved in this room. Everyone loves Jesus in this room. But I want to encourage you, this message today is not just for us. We, I, the Holy Ghost want to remind you there is a real place called hell. And you and I have got to make sure our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, people we know, uh, this, uh, people, strangers, that they're not going there. And the only way to miss there is to receive Jesus as Savior and make him the Lord of your life. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 out of the Amplified Classic. And I'm going to need that up, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. So again, where, when Jesus said, it is finished, where did he go? Well, according to um, Matthew 12, 40, according to Acts 2, 31, Jesus went to hell. But it says here, this in, Acts, in Ephesians 4, 9. But he ascended. How many agree that Jesus ascended? Now, what can this he ascend mean but that he had previously descended? From the heights of heaven into the depths of the lower part of the earth. And it's not talking about the surface of earth. Verse 10. 
he who descended is the very same as he who also ascended high above all the heavens, that, he, that his presence might fill all things, the whole universe from the lowest to the highest. So once again, we know that Jesus ascended, put his blood on the mercy seat. But before he ascended, when he said, it is finished, he went into the bowels of hell. He descended. Now let's look at at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18. I know it's Easter, but you know I'm going to give you scripture. I'm not just going to float over things. That's not how I do things. So you're going to get scripture. Why? Because you need doctrine. Because we're living in the last days. The Bible is very clear. In the last days, even the elect will be deceived. It it talks about doctrines of demons. It talks about, really, if you set it out, a slow, meticulous guiding off of the foundational principles of the Word of God. And you and I are not going there. And so this is a foundational principle that there is a heaven And how you get there, and there is a hell that Jesus went into so that you and I don't have to go. And don't have to participate in anything that hell has to offer today. For Christ the Messiah himself died for sins once and for all. Aren't you glad? The righteous for the unrighteous. How you know? He who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The just for the unjust. The unjust was us. The innocent Jesus for the guilty, that was you and I. That he might bring us to God. Aren't you glad you've been connected to God? In his human body, he was put to death. In his human body, he was put to death. But he was made alive in the spirit. Verse 19. In which... Uh, He went and preached to the spirits in prison. What? He went and preached to the spirits. Now, if you just stop there, what are you talking about? Verse 20. The souls of those who long before in the days of Noah. So we're going all the way back to Noah. And in the days of Noah, remember what happened? There was some wicked folks. Right? And it was only Noah and his family that was saved by the ark. Right? And so Jesus is going, and it says, uh, he, the souls of those who belong before in the days of Noah and been disobedient, when God's patience waited during the building of the ark in which a few people actually ate in number were saved through water. I like the rest of us who are going to read it. Hallelujah. Verse 21. And baptism. If you're born again, you need to be water baptized, which is a figure of the deliverance, does now save you from inward questions of fears, not by the removing of outward body filth, uh, bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience. So it's talking about how Jesus went into hell and he preached to the prisoners. And, and really, really, if you study it out, he was declaring to them, uh, I am the victorious one. I am the victorious one. I am the victorious one. And then then he's talking about Noah, and then he's talking about, then he relates it to water baptism because it all goes together. It's that inward cleansing and peace before God because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we get water baptized to demonstrate we've been raised from the dead. Verse 22. And he has now entered into heaven and is at the right hand of God with all angels and authorities and powers being made subservient. I just like that word. Subservient to him. Amen. 
So we have four witnesses. I've got others. But just for time's sake, Jesus, when he said, it is finished, he went into hell. He went into hell. We see him preaching to prisoners. Uh, other places you can see probably he went by Abraham's bosom, which was known as paradise. Because remember, the, uh, the, uh, the, the guy, one of the guys, one guy was uh, still being a pain. The other guy said on the cross was like, um, ooh, you don't deserve this. I do. And he said, to, Jesus said to him, today you'll see me in paradise, which, what, which was meaning Abraham's bosom. Because even, you know, uh, Lazarus, the, you know, Lazarus, the, 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 the poor guy. Remember, he was in Abraham's bosom. So there's some things that I could get to, but I just want to show you that in the old covenant, there was hell, there was Abraham's bosom, and then there's heaven. Today, there is no longer Abraham's bosom. It's not necessary. There's just hell and heaven. And Jesus went to hell so that you and I don't have to. But he didn't just do it so you could get saved. How many know that's the most important part? That's the most important part. But some things happened there. And so I'm so glad that this worked around to this because um, I've been preaching on this for nigh on 35 years, and it's one of my favorite preaching scriptures. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When did he do that? Those three days. What was he doing? The Bible says this. If the devils would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. What's the first thing? Because they, they had to, when Jesus said it is finished and gave up the ghost, there had to be an automatic party going on in hell. We have beat another one that God sent. But as soon as Jesus said it is finished, then what happened? Somebody's in hell. His name is Jesus, and we've got a big uh-oh on our hands. The, 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 here he is. What's he doing? He's destroying principalities, powers, dominions, mites, anything that's going, anything that thinks they have any power over humanity at all. Jesus is in hell destroying them. Destroying them. He made a show of them openly. So in those three days, in those three days, Jesus whooped up on the devil for you. Jesus did some things. Having spoiled, come on, bringing them to nothing. Hallelujah. I remember this very well. It's a moment in my life I'll never forget. Um, when I was uh, living at home with my mom and dad, um, I, uh, we had, they had a, they lived in a farmhouse and there was a dining room and, um, this dining room was carpeted. My mom says I wore a circle, uh, in there praying. And I think I did, uh, it was just my meeting place with God. 
That's where um, the first time that ever he talked to me about, you know, uh, I, I sat down to talk to him and he said, pull me up a chair. And so it became very real to me. There's a, n- a number of things happened in that dining room. Um, and, and one of the things that I was studying along this line, and the Lord just opened this up to me. And I don't have time to talk about it, but if you ever heard me talk about Andy, I don't have time. Uh, we'll do it some other day. But this is where the Lord talked to me about Andy. He's a bully uh, that I encountered when I was in high school. And the Lord reminded me. Uh, of some things, and, and, uh, and so, uh, but here the Lord said to me, um, Jesus destroyed the devil, and all of hell knows that there now is a name that's above every name. There is nothing that hell, the devil, demons, principalities, can do. So when I say hell, I'm talking about the devil represents hell and all that it is. That's his his working place from where he works. That's his throne. And all of it has been defeated. And Jesus made a show of him openly. Now, if you look in the Old Covenant, and there's a reference here that he made a show of him openly. In the Old Covenant, when a king was defeated... What they would do, they wouldn't kill the king, but they would take him around his um, dominion, his, his place, and they would strip him naked, and they would parade him around. For you, you all look at your king, he ain't nothing no more. He's been defeated. He's been humiliated. He is no longer in charge here. And then they would take the same king back to their place and they would have a parade and they would humiliate him all over again. Look at the naked king. He's been stripped of all his power. We have, we have won the victory. And so you see from this that Jesus, well, the picture you're supposed to get is when Jesus went to hell and destroyed the devil, he paraded the devil around and said, I am now the victor. I am now the victor. And I think the same time in heaven, now everybody knows that Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. This one who has caused havoc for thousands and thousands of years on the earth has been destroyed by the champion, by the Lord, by the master, by the king, by the son of God, by the son of man, Jesus the Christ. And then the Lord said this to me. He said, I've already paraded, I've paraded the devil around in hell. I've paraded him around in heaven. I want you to spend the rest of your life parading him around on earth as a defeated foe. Now, I have had some kickback from that. Because the devil don't like the Bible, the, the devil doesn't like Christians to know, let alone the world to know, that he's a defeated foe. Because especially with Christians, he, he loves to be large and in charge. He loves to be afraid of. But he's no one to be afraid of because he's been defeated. I said the devil has been defeated. Hallelujah. Let's just read it again for fun. And having spoiled principalities and powers. 
He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In what? In his death, in his burial. I'll add the fact that he went to hell, that he was raised from the dead, that he put his blood on the mercy seat, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father forever. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe? Do you believe? Then there's an exceeding, the greatest power ever on display according to working of his mighty power, which he, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The greatest display of power ever was when Jesus was raised from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above, far above, far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Go ahead and name it. I got a name above it. Call it whatever you want. I got a name above it. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things, all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. And we are his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And then I want you to look in Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. Here John is on the island of Patmos. And suddenly the risen Savior, Jesus, appears to him. And they're having a talk. And he starts with, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Woo! And, and all things are going on. But in um, verse 17, Revelations 1, 17, and John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said, fear not, I am the first and I am the last. <laughs> I am the first, I, he said, and I am he that lives. He says, I was dead. I was dead. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then he said, can I get an amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. I was dead. I was dead. Surely I was dead. I took my last breath. He said, I, 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 but now I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And then he said something, and you got to understand this, but he said, I got keys. I got keys. Where did he go get those keys? He got them in hell. I have the keys of hell. In other words, humanity doesn't have to go there. I've got the keys. I've got the authority to keep people out of there. I've got the keys. I've got the authority to keep hell away from humanity while they're on the earth. And death. Doesn't mean physical death. There's two, there's kind, different kinds of death. There's physical death, and then there is spiritual death or separation. So if you physically die away from God, then you're going to experience spiritual death. It doesn't mean cessation from being, because we're all eternal beings. I believe that happens in your mother's womb at conception. You're an eternal being. Eternity belongs to every human. It hap- it, it's, whether you spend it in heaven or hell is up to you. I like this 
Uh, you know, people say, why does a good God send people to hell? He's never sent anyone to hell. It comes from rejecting him. He doesn't send. He doesn't send. It's rejection. Aren't you glad that even before when you rejected him over and over again, he never gave up on you? He never gave up on you. When I was backslidden and running from him, he never gave up on me. If I rejected him, he, he still was there for me. Amen. Hallelujah. But he has some keys. <clears throat> and so uh, there, that, that second death is when someone physically dies without the Lord Jesus Christ. That is eternal separation from God. And you and I, when we get born again, hallelujah, we know that we have, we'll spend eternity with the Lord. So eternity with the Lord begins for us when we're born again. We don't have to wait to take our last breath. Eternity with the Lord starts when we're born again. And we know when we take our last breath, the Bible says to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. Yes, on this Easter Sunday, I'm talking about heaven and hell. <clears throat> I'm talking about why Jesus was raised from the dead. Yes, so you could go to heaven. But even more so that hell would no longer and the devil and principalities and powers would no longer have dominion over you. Amen. That you would no longer have to be sick in your body. That a disease does not have to rule over you. That poverty doesn't have to rule over you. That you don't have to be confused because Jesus left you his peace. But Jesus told John the Revelator, he said, I was dead, now I'm alive. I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm alpha, I'm omega, I'm the beginning, I am the end. And I went somewhere and I got some keys. Where did he get those keys? He got them in hell. Why? Because the devil had them. Because the devil had them. These keys are important. What does keys do? They unlock things. Or they lock things. Jesus unlocked the fact that you and I don't have to go to hell or put up with it. Why are we? Why do we? Did Jesus win or not? Did he totally destroy the devil or not? Is he seated far above or not? Has he been raised from the dead? Has he been raised from the dead? Glory to God. Do you believe that? I believe that. I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. Resurrection Sunday is all about Jesus being raised from the dead. And he did so many things. Aren't you, are you grateful that he took your sin? He became sin. He took every sickness and every disease. He became poor. Why? So that he took your sins so you could be righteous. He took your sickness and disease so you could be healed. He took your poverty so you could be blessed to be a blessing. He left us his peace. He gave us so much. And yet, what he did in those three days was meant as much for earth life as it was for heaven. Because Really, humanity didn't have power over the devil 
principalities and powers. They were tormented by the God of this world. Jesus called the devil the prince of the power of the air. But Jesus came and he went into hell. It was all, you know, the devil don't know everything. Because they said, I'm going to bring it up again, because they said, if we would have known, we would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Tell him who he is. The Lord of glory. The man who came from glory. The son of God. The one who came from glory. We would have never crucified him. Because we sure didn't expect him to show up in hell. And when he did, the... The money changing, table throwing thing, that was nothing. That was nothing compared to what Jesus did. Our Savior, our Lord. Come on, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. He went into hell and did some business, and he destroyed the work of the devil, destroyed it. Remember Jesus said, you know, he said, uh, uh, talking about his wi- the, the work he did, he, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, I, I did it. He, he, when he was on the cross, he, he knew within himself it had all been accomplished. His mission was complete. And as he gave up the ghost, as he said that, uh, this is finished, he knew this is finished. And that's why he said he said it by faith, because he knew he was going to descend into hell. And he had three more days worth of work to do. And maybe it's the hardest work. We don't, we don't know everything that happened. I just know he got up. And I know he got up with keys. And I know he got up with a name that's above every name. And when he got up, and, and listen to me, this is very important. Because you and I, when we take stuff from the devil, we're taking stuff from a defeated foe. So you've got to know what the works of the devil are. Any, any sin and temptation and sickness and, and mess and confusion, we're just taking stuff from the devil that Jesus paid a high price for so that we could live in victory. Amen? I always love this, and I, like to, I, I, I love when we talk about Resurrection Sunday. I always like to end up here. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse number six. Ephesians 2, 6. And he, and, and he has raised us up together. Why was it the greatest display of power ever? Well, have you thought about raising all of humanity up at one time? Everyone that had been, everyone that would be, he raised us all up at one time. And you get to experience that, and he has raised us up together. So as soon as you receive your salvation, you receive a resurrection from the dead. You were once in the kingdom of darkness, but now you're in the kingdom of light. You were once a sinner, but now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has translated you. When did he translate you? You received it whatever date you received it. But you were translated the same day. The same day. The same day when the Holy Ghost went into hell and raised Jesus up from the dead. You were raised up together too. So turn to your neighbor and say happy resurrection day to you. 
Come on, you've been raised from the dead. You've been raised from the dead. You've been raised from the dead. I said you've been raised from the dead. If you're born again, you've been raised from the dead. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you have been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. You have been raised from the dead. You are, you've been raised from the dead. You're alive unto God. You are alive unto God. You've been raised from the dead, translated from the kingdom of darkness. You're living in the light of the glory of God because of what Jesus did. Amen. Glory to God. What I want to encourage you, number one, there's a lot of people who've never received Jesus. And your neighbors, your family, your friend, your coworkers, we need to reach out to them. Whatever way God uses you, however he uses you, but let him use you some way to make sure that everything that Jesus did is not wasted on someone you know. In other words, you tell them about the goodness of God. Bring them to church. Do something. Uh, give it, you know, send them some scripture. Help them to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if it's someone who's backslidden and away from God, help bring them back to God. Help get them, whether they've been disappointed with church or a preacher or organized religion or whatever. Everybody needs to, the Bible says in the last days, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And this is as last as it's ever been. And so the Lord wants to bring people together, not scatter them. So bring them in. But, you know, you don't have to wait till they get to church. You, you pray with them. You talk to them about Jesus. You help them. And, and just get them to the Lord because Jesus paid such a high price.